Well, good morning. What a privilege it is, as well as a humbling experience, to stand before you this morning and open God's Word with you as part of our series on the convictions of a faithful church. A few weeks ago, Brian kicked off our series with a message on the sufficiency of Scripture, followed by Mike, who delivered a message on our dual citizenship here on earth and in heaven. And last week, Joel preached on the importance of listening to faithful counselors. This morning, I bring you a message on genuine fellowship. This topic fits very well into one of my roles as an elder here at Faith Community Church, and that is oversight of our community groups. We have our community groups as one of our avenues by which you can learn to develop uh, both community and fellowship. The main passage this morning that we'll be looking at is out of Acts chapter 2, just after Peter's Peter's sermon at Pentecost, where the Lord added some 3,000 believers to the numbers being saved all in one day. As I prepared for this morning, I came across one author that said, the final miracle of the Holy Spirit on that day of Pentecost was the birth of the church. And he also said, next to the transformation of individual hearts, the second greatest miracle is oneness with others who have been transformed by the gospel. You know, as humans, the best relationships we can really expect to have outside of the Holy Spirit and the gospel changing our lives are ones that are usually based on shared needs, shared interest, maybe even a cause that we get involved in, or maybe even fears that we have. Unless there's something that really, really, we really desire to acquire or we need to provide for someone, most humans aren't naturally given to close, harmonious, giving and forgiving relationships. While loneliness may draw people together, are they really together in a biblical sense of the word? Only through the transforming work of the gospel in our lives are we able to be in right relationship with one another because first we are one with Christ. Please open your copy of God's word this morning with me and join me as I read out of Acts chapter 2, verses 41 to 47. So those who received his word were baptized, and they were added to that day about 3,000 souls. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and prayers. And awe came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done, done among the apostles. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved." Let's ask the Lord's blessing on our time this morning together in his word. 
Gracious Heavenly Father, we give you thanks and praise for your word that you've given to us. In it, you reveal yourself to us, and you reveal to us who we really are and what we truly need. Your word is a lamp into our feet, a light into our path, pointing us to the way we must go. This morning, we desire to worship you and hear from you through your word. By your spirit, teach us. Give us a right understanding of the things that you have called us to. May we be a people committed to putting into practice what you teach us. All for your glory and our good. Amen. Looking specifically at verse 42 of that passage, Luke records four things that the early church was devoted to. They were devoted to the apostles' teaching. They were devoted to fellowship. They were devoted to breaking bread together, and they were devoted to prayer. The early church didn't just have fellowship, they were devoted to it, and they gave of themselves to it. It was a priority for them. So what is biblical fellowship? What is Christian fellowship? Like many of you, I grew up in a large church that had a rather large room that was fairly open and it was attached to the rear of the main church building. And that room was called a fellowship hall. On most Wednesdays, we gathered before we would go off to youth group or the adults would go off to choir practice or adult Bible studies. We shared a meal, usually one of spaghetti or some kind of pasta, in the fellowship hall. Was that fellowship just because it happened to be among believers who shared a profession of faith in Christ because it happened in that room called the fellowship hall? Not necessarily. It certainly was a social time and true fellowship may have been happening among the people that shared that meal. Or the setup for future fellowship may have also happened then. However, professing believers just sharing a meal in a room called a fellowship hall is not what defines true biblical fellowship. There is certainly a common misunderstanding that is even a lot of churches today that just being part of a large group, whether it's for companionship, whether it's for a friendly relationship, some shared common interest or some common concerns is what fellowship is. In many circles, the word fellowship means little more than social activity, even in a lot of churches today. So true believers could sit around a cup of coffee and a pastry and share good conversation, might go to a sporting event, might even play sports together, might even play around the golf together could even be involved in a ministry group together. But that's not necessarily what true fellowship is. Those activities currently, certainly could lead to true fellowship, but they aren't necessarily true fellowship. So then what is Christian fellowship according to the word of God? The first occurrence of the word translated fellowship is here in Acts chapter 2 and verse 42 just that we read, 
within Luke's account of what the early church was devoted to. The Greek word commonly translated fellowship is koinonia, and the root for koinonia is koinos, which means common, mutual, or public. It generally refers to that which is held in common. This word koinonia occurs 19 times in the New Testament. In the ESV, it's translated fellowship nine times, partnership three times, sharing or to share three times, contribution two times, taking part one time, and partnership one time. A few other translations also translate the word as association or communion, with the most common word then being fellowship. The general sense of this word koinonia is one of participation in a close relationship, the act of sharing in the activities or privileges of an intimate association or group. The main ideas of this sense are to share together or take part together in a sense of partnership or participation, and to share with in the sense of giving to others, whether you're giving physical things to someone or whether you're giving of yourself to them. So a basic definition of biblical fellowship, true Christian fellowship, would be a bond of common purpose that binds Christians to one another and to Christ. A common faith, common experiences, and common expressions shared by the family of believers, all stemming from a relationship, a relationship with believers and God. One author I read said, it's the essence of Christian life, fellowship with God and fellowship with other believers. Having stated a good general definition of fellowship, What then is the basis for this fellowship that we seek to have? As implied by the definition that I just read, biblical fellowship begins first with a relationship. And it's not just any relationship. It's a relationship with God. So fellowship begins with a relationship with God. What we share as believers rises out of our common bond our common relationship with God through Jesus Christ and then is expressed in our lives together. Salvation itself then is the basis for this fellowship. Salvation is the basis for this fellowship. John says in 1 John 1, if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we are in fellowship with one another. Only if you're in Christ can you be in this kind of fellowship. Fellowship with God and true fellowship with one another always go together. There can be no true fellowship if Christ's spirit is not in us and not between us. James Boyce said of this, the stronger your vertical fellowship is, the stronger your horizontal fellowship will be. Fellowship then happens and grows as we grow closer and closer to God. 
John said in 1 John 1, verse 3, speaking as an eyewitness to Jesus' earthly ministry, that which we have seen and heard, we proclaim also to you, so that you too may have fellowship with us. And indeed, our fellowship is with the Father and with the Son, Jesus Christ. If we are true believers, true followers of Christ, we are in fellowship with God the Father, God the Son, and with all believers all over the world. So this fellowship begins first with a relationship and a relationship with God. It also includes a partnership, a partnership with one another. Koinonia also means to share together in a sense of partnership. And biblical fellowship incorporates this idea as an active partnership in a promotion of the gospel and in the building up of one another. Paul referred to himself as a fellow worker and partner of Philemon in Philemon verse 1 and in verse 7 of Philemon. And he thanked God for the Philippians' partnership with him in the gospel in Philippians chapter 1. In verses 3 to 5, we read, I thank my God in all my remembrance of you, always in every prayer of mine for you all making my prayer with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. This partnership in action Applies, implies rather, that it's created with the objective of first and foremost glorifying God. Just as we as believers are all united together in a community of fellowship, we're also united together in a partnership with each other so that we may glorify God. Relationships describe who we are, a community of people bound together by our common life and blessings that we share together through our relationship with Christ. And partnership describes how we relate to one another within that relationship. We're working together in a common purpose to obtain a common objective, first for glorifying God, for sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ, and for the building up and edifying of fellow believers. So this fellowship includes a relationship, it includes a partnership, and both of those also include sharing with one another. In both Acts 2.42 and in 1 John 1.3, Koinonia is translated fellowship in a sense of sharing that common life. Jerry Bridges, in his book, True Community, wrote, This is the most basic meaning of koinonia, or fellowship. It is a sharing a common life with other believers, a life that, as John says, we share with God the Father and God the Son. It's a relationship, not an activity. Because we as Christians become partners with Christ and other believers, it's our spiritual duty to stimulate one another not only to righteousness, but also to obedience. And this is often expressed in the more than 30 
one another passages that we find throughout the New Testament. Please turn with me to 1 Corinthians 12, where we see Paul define this relationship as a body. In verses 12 to 14, 1 Corinthians 12 to 14, we read, For just as the body is one and has many members, and all the members of the body, though many, are one body, so it is with Christ. For in one spirit we are all baptized into one body, Jews or Greeks, slaves or free, all were made to drink of one spirit. For the body does not consist of one member, but of many. These early believers that we read of in Acts chapter 2 were together as one body. They were sharing first in the study of God through the apostles' teaching, and they were sharing meals together. This certainly would have included the Lord's Supper as they remembered Christ's sacrifice, but it also would have been ordinary meals as they shared time talking about what the Lord was doing within their lives. They devoted themselves to fellowship that was expressed in their mutual meals and in their mutual prayer for one another. Another author I read said, these may have been agape feast." that emphasized the joy of communion with the risen Lord and that of fellowship with one another. Back in Acts chapter 2, and verse 44 to 45, fellowship is further explained as being together and also having all things in common. We read Luke's record in verse 44 And all who believed were together and had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. So all who believed in this context were together. In Luke's summary, this describes the unity of believers. Their unity first in sitting on the apostles' teaching, their unity in fellowship, and now their unity in sharing even to the point of selling their own possessions and giving the proceeds to those within their body that were of need. Every time fellowship is referenced and used in the New Testament, it includes some sense of sharing. Sharing something that someone has or needs that you have, such as in 2 Corinthians 8, where we see it mean offering a collection, or a contribution. If you'll turn with me to 2 Corinthians 8, where we see Paul write about the grace of God that had been given among the believers in Macedonia. So 2 Corinthians 8, verse 3 to 5. For they gave according to their means, as I can testify, and beyond their means of their own accord begging us earnestly for the favor of taking part in the relief of the saints. And this, not as we expected, but they gave themselves first to the Lord and then to the will of God to us. The believers of Macedonia were quite poor, yet they determined to participate in this fellowship, in this koinonia, by giving sacrificially to others 
even to the point of begging Paul and his companions earnestly for the favor of taking part in the relief of the saints in Jerusalem. When God's spirit reigns, God's people not only relate to the living word, but they also relate to one another by sharing in others' needs. This word fellowship also includes sharing in something that you may be experiencing or you may be learning. Turn back to Acts chapter 2 in verse 46 to 47. where Luke records, day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all people. And the Lord added to their numbers day by day those who were being saved. Sharing what we have is a supernatural result or outworking of our communion with Christ and with each other. This should be evident in our daily worship of God, in our corporate worship of God, and our love for one another because it is a reflection of God's own love he has for us. This particular aspect of sharing, uh, being in communion with one another, usually brings to mind communion. And when we think of communion, we think of the Lord's Supper, right? But koinonia, when it's translated communion, is used to mean communicating intimately or sharing with one another on a close personal and spiritual level. It might be sharing with someone what you're learning from God's word, what he's teaching you and showing you. It might be sharing with someone a word of encouragement that's a person that may be struggling. Or it might be sharing a word of admonishment to another brother or sister that is in need. And this is always a sharing of one brother to another. Paul, writing to the Thessalonians in 1 Thessalonians 5, verse 11, said, Therefore, encourage one another and build one another up just as you are doing. He also said to the Romans in Romans 1.12 that we may be mutually encouraged by each other's faith, both yours and mine. According to J.I. Packer, this is, it is the first, it is first, I'm sorry, it is first a sharing with our fellow believers the things that God has made known to us about himself in hope that we may thus help them to know him better and so enrich their fellowship with him. Jerry Bridges also says about this fellowship, this is fellowship, sharing with one another what God is teaching through the scriptures. And this is an important part of true community or fellowship. In other words, we as followers of Christ need to be willing to share our burdens, to share our aspirations, to share our concerns, and to be available to hear what others have to say, what their needs are, 
and what they may be learning so that we together as a body of believers might be able to minister to each other according to God's word. The goal is to build one another up and to enrich one another in the things of Christ that we may together experience the sufficiency of Christ as we're being molded into the image of him. For that to happen, we have to be in community. For that to happen, we have to be in fellowship with one another. Not only was the early church devoted to the apostles' teaching, but they were devoted to this fellowship, to this community with one another, sharing with one another not only what their concerns were, but what they were learning. The writer of Hebrews addresses this as well in both Hebrews 3 and in Hebrews 10. If you will turn to Hebrews 3 with me. Hebrews chapter 3, verses 12 to 14. Take care, brothers, lest there be any of, in any of you an evil, unbelieving heart, leading you to fall away from the living God. But exhort one another every day, as long as it is called today, that none of you may be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin, For we have come to share in Christ, if indeed we hold our original confidence to the end. And turn a few pages over to Hebrews 10. In verse 24 and 25. Hebrews 10, 24 and 25. And let us consider how to stir one another to love and good works. Not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. A proper understanding of biblical fellowship as a community of believers will also have a tremendous impact on our prayer lives. Consistent and joyful prayer acknowledges the presence of God among his believers. And when we pray, we're admitting first our dependence on God. And when we pray for one another, we could pray as Paul did for the believers at Ephesus. We could pray that we would know that we are chosen to be holy and blameless before God. We could pray that we know that we are adopted into the family of God and that we are loved as God's eternal son is loved. We could pray that we would know that we've been redeemed by the blood of Christ so that we can enjoy the reality of being forgiven sinners. And finally, we can pray that we would know that we would have an inheritance held for us in eternity. And we have the indwelling spirit that confirms that and guarantees that inheritance for us. So it's scripture that defines true fellowship and the basis for it. And Jesus Christ is the source of all communion that we have within the body. John writes in 1 John 1, 7, but if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. It is only when we're in a right relationship with God through the finished work of Christ on the cross 
that we can experience this fellowship. And it is only through this fellowship with God first that we can be in fellowship with one another. As we study scripture, we can see that scripture provides for us several guidelines for enhancing our communion as fellow believers together. First, we are to love one another in the same compassion that Christ displayed to his own. In John 13, 34 and 35, John records Christ giving a new commandment. He says, a new commandment I give to you, that you love one another. Just as I have loved you, you also are to love one another. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples, if you have love for one another. And again, in John chapter 15, verse 12, John records Christ saying, this is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. We can also strive to cultivate a spirit of humility that seeks others' honor and not your own. Paul writes in Philippians 2, verse 3 to 5, Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not to his own interest, but also the interest of others. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus. We can also work to lighten the fellow believers' loads by bearing one another's burdens. Paul writes in Galatians 6, verse 2, bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. We can also share material blessings with brothers and sisters that are in need. Paul writes in 2 Corinthians 9, verse 13, By their approval of this service, they will glorify God because of your submission that comes from your confession of the gospel of Christ and the generosity of your contribution for them and for all others. We can also tenderly and lovingly correct sinning brothers and sisters at the same time while helping them find solutions to their problems. Paul writes to the Galatians in Galatians 6, 1, Brothers, if anyone is caught in any transgression, you who are spiritual should restore him in a spirit of gentleness. Keep watch on yourselves, lest you too are tempted. We can also support and assist fellow believers in times of suffering. Paul records in 1 Corinthians 12, verse 26, If one member suffers, all members suffers. If one member is honored, all rejoice together. And finally, we can pray for one another in the spirit without ceasing. As Paul wrote in Ephesians 6:18, praying at all times in the spirit with all prayer and supplication. To that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints. Christian fellowship, that is a relationship, that is a partnership, and one of sharing, is essential to spiritual growth. 
and it is essential to many aspects of our spiritual lives. One of being together so that we may encourage one another. We may teach one another. We may serve one another. We may admonish one another. And we may ultimately share our lives together here on earth. This is very different than the concept of fellowship that we find in many churches today. Where during typical times of fellowship, few people talk about anything that may rise out of the scriptures. Few people may talk about anything of how God may be using the scriptures in their lives or how God may be working in their lives to bring them to where he desires them to be. If we are to have this fellowship within our community, we must go beyond temporal things. We must go deeper in our lives together and begin to share with each other on a level that will both help us grow spiritually as individuals and spiritually as a community with God and with one another. The early church gave their attention to the apostles' teaching. They were first eager to learn as much as they could about their Lord. Then they gave their attention to fellowship with one another, to point to the point of sharing their physical possessions as necessary. And then they prayed for one another. Fellowship is not just a sentimental feeling of oneness. Fellowship costs. It does not take place simply because we're in that room called the fellowship hall. Fellowship comes with giving and with giving of ourselves. True fellowship costs. And many people never realize the joy of what true fellowship is because they are not willing to pay the cost. Are you? Are we as a body that meets here as Faith Community Church willing to pay the cost to have true fellowship together. To be a faithful church, this must be one of our defining characteristics. And may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. If you're here today and you don't first and foremost have that relationship with God, you can't have this kind of fellowship. You can't have biblical fellowship with anyone. And Jesus is is compelling you, is asking you, is exhorting you to respond to the message of salvation so that you first can be in right relationship with God and then be in fellowship with other believers. Please stand with me as we'll be dismissed with prayer. If the Lord is calling you today, you know you need to respond. You can grab any one of us, any of the elders, you can grab any of the adult Bible study teachers, or you can go to the visitor's reception after we dismiss. Pastor Shane will be there, others will be there. Any of us would love to talk to you and share how you can first be in right relationship with God so that you may have fellowship with others. Lord, we praise you for the direction your word gives. And we thank you for the blessings of fellowship, first with you and with fellow believers. We ask that you would write these things on our heart 
that we may be known as a people who understand the value of fellowship. May we be willing to sacrifice and give of ourselves, being together with other believers to encourage, to teach, to serve, to admonish, and to share life together. We ask that you would send us away from this place, changed by your word. In Jesus' name, amen.